0: If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church Podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. We have a wonderful ministry beginning March the 3rd. That's the first Monday in March and then the Mondays following. You remember some time ago when Pastor Everett and Nancy were here and were great, great associate pastors here at our church for so many years and they they, uh, ran the ministry Celebrate Recovery. And some of you were part of that, and they would meet and help people with habits, hang-ups, or hurts. And, uh, and so when they left, and doing their pastorate in Pittsburgh, Texas, uh, we really missed that kind of ministry where people could, could come and, and get healed and restored. And, uh, and then Ron and Janet Cagle came into our lives, uh, met them through my parents, through Christ for the Nations, and they became members of our church. And this is the, the heartbeat of their life, to see people restored healed, delivered in every area of their lives. And so we just began to talk and realize that God had brought us together, and so we are launching this March the 3rd CPR, which means Christ Purchased Restoration. So um, I'm going to have them come up, and some of you already know Ron and Janet, but uh, they're going to come up and introduce themselves to you and give a little bit of their story, and I'm very excited to be launching this very soon. So can we give a, a great welcome and big hand to... Ron and Janet, God bless you. Thank
1: you. Good morning. morning. Well, since we're launching this ministry, we thought it'd be a good idea to let you guys kind of know a little bit more about us. Uh, I'm Ron. This is Janet. Uh, We have three beautiful daughters. Our eldest is right here, Mackenzie. The other two are in Kids Church, where they'll be wonderfully ministered to by... Well, we met. Uh, well, let's let's back up. So we're, we're parents of three. Uh, we have a company named G- JCR Integrated Solutions that does interior finish work, and we also do ministry through our company. And we named the company JCR because it stands for Jesus Christ Restores. And uh, we graduated. Yeah. yeah, he does. We graduated in uh, at CFNI last December, and then I grew up as a. Uh, a Methodist boy, went to church pretty much my entire, you know, growing up, and went to a Catholic high school, Methodist church, Catholic high school, I know, spent four years in, in Catholic high school, because my dad said, it's the best school in town you must go, so I had eight semesters of theology, and we never once opened the Bible, what a tragedy.
2: My name is Janet, hello, um, I was also raised in a traditional denominational church. I was raised in an Episcopal church. Uh, This Jesus that is so real to us here was not real to me then uh, in high school. I didn't know none of this. I mean, all this hand raising and jumping up and down was just weird, very strange to me. Um, And back in 2003, Ron and I met on uh, backslidden.com or match.com. Uh, we were saved then, but we just, you know, we were normal Christian people, just not walking out, not walking the walk, I guess, if you would, if you would, right? And we did. Um, and uh, needless to say, and not a surprise, our marriage was kind of difficult starting out. Uh, we had come to the marriage all pretty on the outside, but nothing real on, or very little tapped into on the inside and broken on the inside. Um very quickly, within a year, our perfect little house and marriage was crumbling, and it really was crumbling. It wasn't just like we were fighting. We were broken up. I was already in an apartment. We were talking about separation. It was over, and we had just made it to our first year anniversary, like one month, and then we, uh, we had a separation, and it was at that point when I was in my apartment. I just cried out to God. I said, Lord, I know you have to be real. I know you're real, because I see these people jumping up, acting crazy, And a whole bunch of them are doing it, so it must be real or whatever. Whatever that is, I want it. I need your help. I don't want to be divorced. I want my marriage restored, and I want to have a good life. And so I said, God, just come in and move, and he did. He moved mightily, mightily, mightily. In 2006, I got filled with the Spirit, and the Spirit moved in our marriage and changed everything times when I would fight with Ron, times when I would pick on him or or, or look at what he was doing, I couldn't do that anymore, and, and that was very unlike me, but I could only look at myself, and that was because that's that's what the Lord had told me to do, so I just continued following what God had said, and things, everything was good, everything was always good, he was faithful every time, and so as we were in this season, the, super, the supernatural just took over us, and we started learning everything that we could about healing and deliverance, and then... A few short years later, we started having a family. And then in 2011, no, not 2011,
1: 2010, whatever. 2010, we went to a a wedding for my uh, cousin, and we're flying back from Omaha. And about 20 minutes in the flight, my wife says, Ron, Ron, I need your help. And she hands me our youngest child, and she's blue. She is lifeless. Her eyes are rolled back in her head. She doesn't, I mean, she's just limp in my hands. So here I am with what appears to be, in the natural, every parent's worst nightmare. And uh, that's when Janet screamed, Is there a doctor on the plane? We need help. And then the next thing I know is a sky come up. A black man wearing all black clothes. I don't know why this is important, but I, I always tell it every time I tell the testimony. He's wearing all black clothes, boots, black jeans, a black shirt. And on his shirt front and back is a black rhinestone cross. Now, we didn't see it at the time. We saw it later when we met him at the baggage checkout. He waited for us. Anyway, he came, took the baby from him, from me. I just gave it to him like, you know. I didn't know him from anybody, but I handed him over because I was hoping he was more equipped than I was. And he started to do you know, CPR and stuff, and Janet at the time just screamed out and grabbed McKenzie's hand and said, just start praying. Well, to me, it seemed like 10 minutes had gone by, and it was really looking pretty glim. And he'd been working CPR for quite a while when she said that. But as soon as she said that, and I don't know how much time went by, but just about as soon as she said that, everything changed. Even he told us that nothing I was doing was working until you said, just pray. And then everything changed. She came back. What we found out was she had her first seizure on that plane while she was um, nursing on a bottle because we wanted to make sure she had a bottle when we took off. Well, she had that seizure, and she was drowning on the fluids is what had happened. So that started our walk. We, we got to see Jesus bring our little girl back to life. And then Anytime. and then we started seeing seizures weekly, every week, for over a year. And we just we kept, yeah.
2: I have to tell you, these seizures, they're the kind of seizures, not where, you know, your body contorts. First of all, that's horrifying to watch anyway. I think Pastor Eric talked about that a couple of weeks ago. How would you feel if you were a parent just watching your child flail in a seizure? Well, that was us. But not only would she flail in a seizure, she would stop breathing completely. And so we would have to breathe life back into her lungs. And this happened like 26 times in a year and a half period. But the cool thing about it, and I know it sounds crazy, there's a cool thing, but there is. That day on the plane, when I said, Mackenzie, bow your head, let's pray, the Lord said, come to me, I have something to tell you. And so... Bobby came, took baby, Mackenzie and I were praying, and as soon as we bowed our heads, the Lord said, it is well. And in the natural, it didn't look like it is well, but I instantly knew what that meant. It was very important to me, because just six months prior to that, I had received my prayer language, and I started praying in tongues, but I only had like four or five words, and I will admit, I was very frustrated and annoyed, because as I was praying in tongues, I just kept saying the same thing, and I thought, this isn't real, this isn't for me, this is all just a farce. Well, the person I was praying with at the time, she said, well, just ask the Lord what it meant. If you keep saying the same thing, he's trying to tell you something. So ask and you'll receive. So we asked. And as soon as I asked, he said, it is well. And that was six months before this ever happened. So on the plane, he said, come to me in prayer. I went to prayer, and he said, it is well. And in that second, we said amen, because I knew, what else do I need to hear if the Father says, it "Is well, is well. So we stopped praying, and at that moment, we heard, oh, she started breathing. Our baby had life in her lungs again. And like we said, it was a year and a half of a faith walk, seeing the natural in front of us look completely contrary to what the promises, the supernatural promises are of God. But the Lord says, don't let the word leave your, leave your eyes. And that means turn on your supernatural eyes and see what I told you, see what I'm telling you. And we just stood by that every day, every time we saw something that looked crazy. And we believed that she was healed, and she was healed, and she is healed. It was a year and a half, but a year and a half later, she was, no medicine, nothing. There's There's no residual damage. He made everything right, everything. All we had to do was flip on that switch of belief to believe what he said. And so the Lord is so amazing. He will go and do everything and anything. He will move heaven just to get your attention, to let you know he really does have you. And so this class, this ministry is really our heart uh, to to inform and equip people to know how to turn that light on without condemnation, without fear, without even thinking about it. It'll be second, it'll be second nature. It'll be first nature, not second nature. So we really invite you all to come out and, and invite anybody that needs healing, a physical healing, cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, a cold, the flu, paralysis, blindness, anything or addiction stuff. We're going to be doing things that people have done before in CR, but we're going to be taking it a step further. So at the end of this this walk, you're healed and completely restored forever. So
1: please join us. Not just healed, equipped. Because part of this ministry is not just to help heal, but to equip everyone to know that healing is yours. Healing is in the atonement. Healing is in the blood. It is ours. Christ paid for it. We just need to receive it. Amen.
0: amen. God bless. Praise God. Love you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Praise God. That's wonderful. I am so excited about this, this ministry and Ron and Janet's uh, partnership in, our, in this church and their, just their ministry. God bless you. We're really excited for the days ahead. Amen. Many, many, many great things are in store for us. You yeah. believe that? Yeah, because you got to remember this. That I, I want to talk to you today. Let me just go right into this because uh, uh, we need to. John chapter three and verse sixteen. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning a series today, um, and it's I've just titled it "His Love Never Fails," and everything starts. The foundation of everything that we know about God, everything that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ from our Father, is all rooted, grounded, founded in God's love, and you have to know that first and foremost, above anything else that you know about God, you have to come to the conclusion and know, let it be the heartbeat of your life, let it wash over your soul continually, that God loves you. Now, this says in John chapter 3, verse 16, if we could all just read this, we all know this verse, it's probably the most popular verse of scripture ever, Uh, Psalm 23 is another one that just about everybody knows, but this one verse is so powerful. It says, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, for God, let's say it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for the next few moments in your word as we study here together, Lord, as we learn more of you. We open up our hearts now to receive your word because it's your word. It's in it that we find life. In it, it is health to all of our flesh, Lord. We thank you that your word is alive and we need it in our lives. We need it for our everyday lives. It's nourishment to our soul, to our spirit, and we receive it now. I thank you for the spirit now of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of Christ to be upon your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. For God, so love the world. I, I want a couple of things I want to talk about here. Is God made things so simple for us? This message, this story. What an, what an amazing statement our Savior made right here. It's an incredible statement that God so loved the world that He gave the world His Son. All right. God is not the originator of religions. God's the originator of loving us and giving us His Son all right? He, that's his plan. That's his purpose. Everything is wrapped up in his son. There are not different sections of the world, uh, ge- geographical locations, that that religion is pertinent for that location, and this religion is pertinent for that location, and it's important that these guys are Buddhists over here, and these guys are uh, 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 Muslims over here. No, no, no. God so loved the world that he gave the world Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is the answer for the entire planet, all right? Uh, these All these religions came through man's attempts, man's own self-effort, man's own self-righteousness, man's own system. Really, it was brought on by Satan. That, that, is, that is the root of religion. It's, it's the devil's idea, all right? It's, uh, I don't have time to get into all that, but I'll share that with you sometime. All right? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a counterfeit of what God originally brought to us, that God so loved us, he so loved us, he so loved us. It started in love. He so loved us that he gave. All right? He so loved us that he gave. Now, I, I don't want you to, to, to turn me off here a moment. We're talking about the love of God, and, and I don't want you to jump to conclusions because there's so much for us to learn about the love of God. All right? In the next few weeks, we're going to just unveil some things from the Scriptures. We're going to be walking through the epistles of John, 1 John, Second John, Third John, and uh, the one who... I love I love John. He was the one who was closest to Jesus in it, while Jesus was on the earth. He he loved Jesus. He laid his head on on Jesus chest and he he was so secure in who he was in God. As a matter of fact, when he writes about himself in the Gospel of John, he refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. All right? Now this was this was not to say he didn't love the other guys. John's not saying that. He was just saying, "I know that I'm loved." All right? And you've got to know that you're loved. You've got to know that you're loved so that you can truly experience all that God has for you in this this life. I mean, through this verse, we understand the foundation of everything we have is His love for us. And I think that way too few of us really understand, truly understand God's love and its intended meaning and purpose for our lives. The impact that it's meant to bring to us. And one, one is... One reason I think that we, we don't experience it on a greater level is because we view God's love or we think of God's love in terms of other loves in our lives. And so uh, we, we kind of think of God as he's like us, only he's better. <laughs> he's a lot better, and his love is a lot greater. It's really hard to compare our love to God's love. It is. It's, it's, it's really not even in the same realm the love that we can muster up, the love that we can conjure up, the love that we can uh, compare to His love. As a matter of fact, we don't even have the ability to love until we understand that God first loved us. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He first loved us. All right, that's what the Scripture teaches us. So then we, by learning of His love for us, learn how to love one another. All right? and to experience the God kind of love, not only to us, but through us. But it has to come to you first. You have to fully receive the love of God for yourself. And I want to say, where there is lack in your life, where there is brokenness, where there is hurt, where there is uh, uh, maybe, maybe an addiction, maybe, I, I just want to say something to you today. Where there's fear, this is an area in your life where you've simply not received God's love for you. All right? That's all it is, because his love is the cure. His love is the power. So I want you to, at that moment, not feel like, because of what you've done, that your failure or whatever it might be, to cause you to go away from God or think that he thinks differently of you because he doesn't. That's the moment where you say, I need to let God love me right here and right now, even in my mess. Because his love is greater than your mess. greater than your weakness. It's greater than your downfall, greater than your failure. His love never fails. Now, we're going to run over to Ephesians chapter 1 for a moment. Ephesians chapter 1. I really don't think I can illustrate the the comparison between our love and God's love. I I just don't think that we can. I mean, by recent events, maybe a little bit, that our love would be kind of like the Broncos' ability to play football on Sunday, and God's love would be like the Seattle Seahawks' ability. But you still, it's really hard to, it still doesn't really paint the picture. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We all, you've been told by people that they love you Only to find out sometime down the road that their definition of love and your definition of love were different. You've been told I love you by someone and later found out that they only said that as a means to manipulate you. You've been told that you were loved by someone, only later on they hurt you or they abandoned you or they... Spoke evil of you or they stole from you. God so loved the world that he gave the world his only begotten Son. We love, we use the word love very casually. I love God. I love my wife. I love cowboys. I love tacos. And hopefully, the guy who says that actually does love his wife more than he loves tacos. But, um, (laughs) you know, I love all of you here today. Some of you don't even know, and I still love you. And I think that the feeling's mutual. You guys still love me too, right? But I would not expect, I really wouldn't expect you to ever choose me over your child. And I hope that you would not expect me to choose you over my child. This is where our love has limits. Our love only goes so far in that manner that if there was a scenario where, where, where you were in a situation where you could choose either your child would die or I would die, I'm fully prepared to go to heaven. I get it. And on the same token, If I had to choose between you and my child, you better be ready to see Jesus because my son is going to live. My daughters are going to live. I'm not going to choose you over them. Just not going to. You understand that, right? Even though you know I love you, but that love is. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He didn't have a bunch of sons to pick from. He thought, well, Jesus, he's the third child. We'll throw him out there. No, he's it. He's everything God had. Jesus was everything he had, and yet he gave everything that he had. That means God chose you over his son. Now that that, do you see? Now now do we see the difference between our love and God's love? And that look at this. I want you to notice this. This is powerful. Ephesians chapter 1. Yesterday, well, I'm not ready to read that yet, I'm sorry. Uh, Yesterday we were doing a wedding out in Fort Worth, and one of the things that the bride and groom say to each other when they're making their promises to one another is that they usually end that section of promises with, like, I promise to love you, to honor you, and the wife says, I promise to obey you, and, and it's supposed to, right? Isn't that her part? Okay. Anyway, love you, honor, and cherish you. Uh, and forsaking all others, keep myself only unto you in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer. Heather just said for richer. She didn't even say the other part. For richer, for poorer, forsaking all others, keep myself only unto you until death do us part. Because we understand something. We're not going to expect our spouse, if they die before we do, to expect us to continue to act like we're married to them. Because when there's only one thing that you can do with a dead person, you gotta bury them. You have to say goodbye. It's cruel, death is cruel, the grave is cruel, as the scripture says, but it is the way it is here on the earth. It's it's temporary, life is here, and this and this this relationship, these promises that we have, this marriage that we have between a man and a wife is really only made for earth. You understand this? Now, some of you get your idea of love from TV and movies. And you want to argue with me about this. No, 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 we're in love forever. No, you're not. No, you're not. No. God's love is the only love that is able to give us eternal life. That's the only love that has the power to give us eternal life. You can love one another while you're here on earth, but at some point you're going to have to say death will part you, all right? Now, in heaven, Jesus said in heaven, we're not, you're not going to be married like you are here on the earth. We're all our sons and daughters in the kingdom of God, and so we're going to know life as it really is in the eternal scheme of things, and, and all of us, all of our affection and all of our love is going to be on Jesus, All right? And so the husband and wife here right now are really just a picture, if you will, a glimpse into a peek into God's eternal plan of Christ and his bride, this love relationship. And what's incredible about this is that this whole salvation, this relationship that we have with God is all based on a father's love for his son and he has invited us all into this love. And Ephesians chapter 1 Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4, just as he chose us, you know God chose you. He chose you. God chose you. Yeah, but Pastor Eric, I got here without my parents intending me to be here. It don't matter. God chose you. No matter how you got here, you didn't take God by surprise. He didn't didn't get shaken off of his throne the moment you were conceived. Oh, my God. Oh, myself. I don't know. What am I supposed to do with this guy or this girl? This was not in my plan. This is how you were chosen. Watch. He chose you in Him, that is in Jesus, before the foundation of the world. Again, this is that love that kind of, you can't comprehend it. He chose us in Jesus before time ever began, before man ever existed before He planted a garden, before He made the sun, moon, the star, before He separated the waters from the dry land, before He made the trees, the animals, and made man in His own image and breathed life into His nostrils nostrils, before any of that ever happened, love. He chose us in Him before the foundation of that. We should be holy and without blame before Him in love. That's the only way that God could see you holy. It's the only way that God could see you blameless was in love. It's the only way. And he did it by choice. He just chose to do it. He just chose you in Jesus. He chose to love you. And by that love, he chose to see you blameless and holy. Before You ever even got here, you were already in His love, in His eyes. He saw you in Jesus perfect. 1 Peter chapter 4, look at this, verse 8: And above all things, have fervent love. The word fervent means without ceasing, have love that never ends. Have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Love will cover a multitude of sins. Think about this. So he saw us holy and blameless in love, that kind of love which covers a multitude of sins. The word cover there means, this is so good. The word cover, uh, where am I? I don't know. Oh, there I am. It means to hinder the knowledge of a thing. All right? So God's love hinders the knowledge of your sin. Now check this out. Remember, this happened before this all started. This happened before this world came. Before you ever showed up, God loved you with a love that hinders knowledge of sin. And the only way that he could do that was in his son. And that's why the scripture says, by him, for him, and through him are all things made that are made. Nothing was made without him. Nothing. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So Jesus was there, and God saw us in him, in love, knowing Knowing that we had a choice to sin. You know you have a choice to sin. You don't accidentally do it. If you're a believer, you know. Because you have a whole, the Holy Spirit of God living inside you and you know. Hmm? There is no, whoops, I, I don't know how that happened. Like, as if the Holy Spirit was sleeping and didn't catch you. Didn't talk to you before you made that choice. No, he's there, you know, and you just go, I'm going to do it anyway. Ah." I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to think it anyway. When love is talking to you, then you're holy and blameless. Holy and blameless people don't do this. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You don't do this. This is not you. Have fervent love. Love covers a multitude of sins. What Man, what kind of marriages could we have if we loved with this kind of love? If every time you had an argument or fight, that same old thing would stop coming back up. The same old issue. But you would be fervent in your love that covers a multitude of sins. Now, because we would want that for us, wouldn't we? Yeah, you're right, Pastor Eric, we would. Another reason why I think that people don't really get or don't experience the love of God is that we understand that God's love, uh, that God's love provided this salvation for us and he loved us unconditionally. But now that we are saved, we have a responsibility to do what it takes to earn his love by how we live our lives now. This is kind of my upbringing. I don't know if anybody else can relate to to what I'm saying, that they would talk about the grace of God, this free, free, this free gift of salvation, but once I was saved, then I was told that I better tell the line, and, and it's one thing to receive it for free, but if I'm going to keep it, I better live right. As a matter of fact, if I had sinned, and I did not have time to confess that sin before I died, well, I'm eternally lost. because it's up to me now to keep my salvation intact. And so as a child, I was deathly afraid of God. As a matter of fact, my whole relationship with him, and I'm just being honest with you today, my prayer life was basically just trying to escape eternal judgment. So I felt like I always had to deal with the issue of sin, and I had to make sure I confessed everything just in case I died so I could make it to heaven. Like it all depended on me confessing that sin. As if what Jesus did was pretty good. Was most he did most everything, but then I had to I had to do this work in order to maintain good graces with God. So I just I, I struggle all the time, and it wasn't even my, my relationship with God, and my prayer life wasn't even really about getting to know God and experiencing His love in my life. It was simply just trying to make it to heaven. And then over time, as I read the scriptures, I realized I had been taught wrong. And all I found out was that those who were teaching this were just wanting to control people. There were those who did not know, really, what the love of God was about. That before I ever even got here, He chose me. And by faith in Him, I got everything that afforded eternal life. Simply because His love did that for me so I learned that when I am weak he's strong and I learned that I can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need and I learned something about the spirit and I learned something about the flesh and I learned that when the scripture's talking to me sometimes it's talking about my physical man and sometimes it's talking about my spiritual man and sometimes it's talking to the Jews, and sometimes it's talking to the Gentiles, and something. I, I begin to learn about the Word of God that it that, that there are audiences that it's speaking to. That all the Bible is for us, but not all the Bible is to us. Everybody, raise your right hand for just a moment. Raise your right hand. Has your right hand ever done anything wrong? Hmm hit, struck someone, stole something. Jesus said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. How many of you are glad that the Bible's for us, but it's not all to us? Or if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. You ever looked at anything you shouldn't have? You don't have to raise your hand. I know you have. You still got that right eye, don't you? Because you know not all the Bible is to us, though it is all for us. I read over in 1 John chapter 1 in verse 8. Can we look at that for a moment? I'm almost through. I really am. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. Is that Josh back there? No. Danny, thank you, Danny. I know you weren't expecting this. Thank you for following with me. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and, uh, nope. That's a good one, though. 1 John 1, 8. 5, 8. That's 5, 8. Okay, let me just quote it. Verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Christ Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The next verse says, If we say that we have no sin, 1 John 1, 8. If we say that we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. Now, I'm grateful that John said we. That tells me that he's in that crowd too. We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, if you would, Danny, go to 1 John chapter 3. It's two chapters over. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we're lying, we're deceiving ourselves, the truth is not in us. All right? Then 1 John chapter 3, let's go along verse, let's just start reading in verse 8. And we'll go down a little bit. Everybody still with me? He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Next verse. Whoever has been born of God. Okay, which is it, John? You said, if we say we have no sin, Then we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Two chapters later, you say, whoever's been born of God does not sin. So which is it? For his seed, his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin. The first time I read that, I said, yes, I can. God, did you know that I exist? What do you mean that he cannot sin? Oh, my God, maybe I'm not really saved. If I can still sin, maybe I'm not really saved then. Maybe it didn't stick. But this said right before it, his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of? Which is it? It's, it just looks like a contradiction to me. I've got problems with this kind of stuff. And I have to ask questions when I run across this because I know the Bible's all inspired by God. And it's all by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it's all true. But this looks like a fight here. Chapter 1 looks like a fight with chapter 3. If we say we have no sin, we're lying. The truth is not in us. But whatever's born of God does not sin. He cannot sin. Let me ask you, how many of you are born of God in here? How many of you have sinned since you've been born of God? See, look at you. Well, well Hold your hand up. Hold, hold your hand up. Hold your hand up. Guess what? Guess what? You're identifying yourself then with the flesh rather than with who you are. If this says you cannot sin, then you ought to say no. Let's try it again. Come on. How many of you are born of God here? Now, how many of you sin? No, no, no. You can't have both the hand up both times. Not, 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 I'm talking to the man, to the woman who's born of God. I'm not talking about this. This is born of your mother. We know this is the problem. Janet would fully agree. This, <laughs> this flesh is the problem. This flesh is where the sin nature is. The flesh is that which does not want to please God. But your spirit is not born of your mother. Your spirit is what is born of God. Therefore, the spirit man cannot sin because the seed, his seed, remains in him. That tells you today that who you really are is holy and blameless and perfect before God. It had nothing to do with your ability it was Christ's ability to save you and wash you away from your sins so thoroughly that your spirit is perfected right now. He has perfected Hebrews ten fourteen. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's an interesting verse of scripture. I'm perfect and I'm being sanctified. I'm lying if I say I have no sin, but if I say that I have that I'm that I can sin, then I'm lying too. <laughs> 1 John's talking about the flesh. 1 John, John 3 is talking about spirit man. You see how the contradict, see, it helps us understand then that we uh, that the Bible's speaking to specific people, people parts. The spirit, the soul, and the body. Paul says, I find a, an, a, I find a, a law in Romans chapter seven. That evil is present with me, the one who wants to do good. Evil's present with me, the one who wants to go. Because I find that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. and that, that I want to do, I don't do. That that I don't want to do, I find myself doing that. Then he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That which is of the flesh is flesh. That which is of the spirit is spirit. So whatever you're identifying with will determine the kind of love that you will receive from God. If you only see yourself as a sinner saved by grace, then that's all you'll ever be. If you identify with sin, if you identify with your weakness, if you identify with the flesh, then you will live accordingly. And you'll always make excuses for your weaknesses. You'll always make it, well, we're all sinners. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, being a sinner is one thing. Being saved by grace is something completely different. Now, you either are the righteousness of God in Christ, or God is not telling you the truth. All right? You're going to have to identify with who. This is what I'm saying. This all happened in love. This is what God did for you, that he chose you. He chose you in Jesus. He chose you in him, in love, to be blameless and holy. That can only happen through his son. That can only happen in the spirit. So that's what you need to set your sights on so that you can understand just how loved you are. It's not about a performance thing, what I should do, what I shouldn't do, what I can do, what I can't do. Matter of fact, Paul lays out this this amazing statement. He says, all things are lawful for me. All things are law, but not all things are profitable. In other words, I'm totally free to do whatever I want. But is it profitable that I do whatever I want? Just because I can, should I? And what separates the boys from the men and the girls from the women are those who choose to live on what I can or cannot do Or what is profitable? We've got so much to cover concerning the love of God. And one last thing. The reason people don't experience the love of God like they can in their lives is because they've been told or they believe that God loves you and he'll make you sick. God loves you and he just might kill you. God loves you, and so he's going to cause some kind of calamity or some kind of disaster to perfect his work in you. He might even kill your wife just to teach you a lesson to help you get better. And so that makes you hesitant. <laughs> I would be hesitant too. We don't see any evidence of that in Jesus. No evidence of that. Of that. That's just a lie. It's just a lie. It's just a lie problem with the world is us. He's the solution. He's the one who came to give life and that more abundantly. He said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if you see that evidence, something being stolen, killed, destroyed, that is the influence of the enemy. And God said, I came that you may have life and that more abundantly. So that you know what to accept and what not to accept in your life. So that you can absolutely know what the will of God is for your life And that he loves you more than you will ever, ever know. And in the ages to come, ages to come, he's going to show you the riches of his grace in his love. Before you ever got here, he loved you. While you're here, he loves you. And when eternity is all that we know forever, when this time ends, he's still going to love you. Can we bow our heads for just a moment? Father, I want to say thank you to you today for your love. Help us, Lord. We need revelation of that. And we understand that we really can't gain understanding with our own natural mind. It's got to be comprehended by faith. It's got to be understood in the Spirit that you have to illuminate our hearts for us to begin to, as Paul said, to begin to know the depth, the length, the height, the breadth of your love. Lord, it's, it's an endless love. It's an everlasting love. And for us to ever even be able to love one another, we must first receive your love for us in its magnitude, that fervent, without ceasing love. And the more we receive your love, the better our life gets. questions go away about you and your nature, we have understanding of who you are because you are love. I want to just talk to you for a moment here today. You're here in this room today and some of you have really wrestled with your relate in your relationship with God because you've based it on what you do or don't do. And you have found yourself in turmoil, carrying guilt and shame. It's tiring to you, your relationship with God. It's just very difficult. But I want to invite you today to just simply open up your life to receive his love that covers a multitude of sins. That hinders the knowledge of it. This is God's choosing. He chose to do this. He chose to do this. He chose you in love. And He wants to bring you up to a higher level of living. To a higher law of rather than just do good and don't do bad, but rather this law of love. Let God love you and you in turn love others. And let Him wash away those weaknesses. Let him wash away that burden, that guilt and shame by his love. Don't spend one more day trying to perform for God. Don't waste one more second. Understand he has already accepted you. He already loves you. I want to pray for you here today. If that's you, if I'm talking to you today and you've You've just been in very difficult situations concerning God. You've been, you've been confused. I, I just want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand between me and you and, and God? I want to just pray for you right now. You've been fearful, wondering about your, your salvation. You've just, you just wrestle so much. Are you here today? Father, I thank you for all of these here in this room today. And, Lord, I pray for these who have reached up to you right now at this moment, who are reaching up to just simply receive your love for them. I thank you, God, for great grace being upon them. And that at this moment, every every burden is removed. At this moment, Lord, every yoke is broken. Every chain is loosed. And they are free. In the love of God, I thank you right now that you so loved us that you would not do without us. And you showed it by giving us your dearest, dearest prize, your dearest son. And your scripture says that you will not withhold anything from us if you would not spare even Jesus. I thank you for the next few weeks, God, as we delve into this this amazing subject of the love of God, that we will be enraptured, God, that we would see it, we would understand, so that we could live in a greater level of victory and understanding and love ourselves in this world. Hallelujah. Thank you that you first loved us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I thank you for your blessing on your people now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Brandon, would you come? Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9:30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. At One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.